When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this super edition of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay. I'm joined this week by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. And by Tyrone Marshall. Good afternoon. Both keeping your places on the podcast this week. Uh, you get them automatically these days. You're guaranteed to be on for the next future weeks as well. <laughs> you were both having the honour of oh, being at Old Trafford on Sunday to watch United grind out a win eventually against Burnley, but... It quickly became almost a secondary reason to be at Old Trafford. News of the European Super League had broken early in the day and it was starting to build traction during the match. It was officially announced late on Sunday evening. We're going to be talking a lot about it during this podcast. But initially, Samuel Ty, I'll come to you later, Ty, but Samuel, the news. I mean, personally, from your point of view, what what do you make of it? It's it's just utterly depressing, uh, you you hope this was just a, a pipe dream that it was these greedy clubs trying to use it as leverage to get what they wanted in the Champions League. I I didn't like I don't like the thought of a thirty six team Champions League. I think the format is is absolutely fine. Um, the way they've done the seeds in recent years has improved it. That you've not. I mean, Arsenal always a top seed in the Champions League, even though they barely struggled to get to the quarterfinals or the semi-finals. That was all changed. But this concept is just absolutely abhorrent. It's it's just utterly depressing. The the brazenness of Joel Glazer's statement last night. I, I'd I'd usually say it was extraordinary, but that's in keeping with his his worldview on football and and his contempt for supporters, particularly Manchester United supporters. A lot of United supporters have known that for a very long time others particularly when the club was successful and still dominant just were happy to tolerate it because the club was successful and dominant but for a lot of supporters supporting their club was more than just the glory of it it was about having um, you know a stake in it sometimes it was a literal stake other times it was just you know a, a token stake they felt as though they were a part of it that's not been the case for a very long time and okay, the the new Champions League format, the proposal of that being expanded to thirty six teams, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we've seen in the Euros by expanding that, that had a detrimental impact on its quality um, at the last Championship. And I just hope that this was a pipe dream, really, that the European Super League, whatever you, the Gordon Gecko League, whatever you want to call it, that it would just be used by these greedy clubs as leverage to get what they want in the Champions League. And to everyone's dread, it's actually a thing and it's kind of been sprung up on all of us the website went live last night i think it was just as well time myself were um watching line of duty recorded or whatever the hell we were doing because we were still awake when that press release um dropped at 10 past 11 and joel glazer was only one of three figures quoted in it along with the real madrid president florentino 
uh, Perez and Andrea Agnelli, um, who's the Juventus president. And United's conduct, we can only really speak about United the way they've gone about it because they're the club that we we deal with. Their conduct's been shameful, really. It was radio silence yesterday. The director of communications wasn't at the game. Ed Woodward wasn't at the game. I felt sorry for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer afterwards because he was thrown under a bus. He was the only club mouthpiece available to speak to about it. And he was in a lose-lose situation. He couldn't really voice an opinion on it uh, at that stage. It, you know, the details of it still hadn't come to light, and even if he was made aware of it, I don't think he was going to divulge them at that point. I just hope that come Friday, Solskjaer breaks ranks and, and condemns it. If he doesn't, then he's as bad as they are. And okay, he's taken employment under the Glazers, but this was someone who. A very long time ago now, 16 years ago, did actually um, voice his uh, opposition to their proposed takeover in February 2005. I suspect he's rode back from that, but I think deep down, he, he can't be on side with this. He can't endorse this. He can't agree with this. It's it's just a complete and utter, you know, the, the word I, I want to use, I can't really use, but it, it, it's just so, so demoralising. I mean, us three here, like, you, Rich, you know, you, you pay to watch your beloved Wrexham. Ty's been to loads of Shrewsbury games down the years, was on the pitch after they drew against Liverpool legally, I think. Uh, you know, I've, I've paid to go and watch Rochdale. These these clubs in the English football pyramid, just outside the English football pyramid, uh, are be, being run roughshod over by a bunch of avaricious charlatans who don't care about supporters, have never cared about supporters, are killing the integrity of the English game. And, and the European ones are obviously killing the integrity of, of their leagues as well. And you know, the fact that Bayern Munich aren't involved, it, it kind of tallies with what, what I've thought for quite a while, which is that they're they're probably the best run major European club. And and the fact that Sir Alex Ferguson said that a few years ago um, was a ringing endorsement. And and it was so, so telling that Ferguson, who should have spoken out against the Glazers before the takeover in 2005, refused to, abandoned his socialist principles, got into bed with them effectively, called them brilliant owners repeatedly, finally, yesterday, effectively denounce them now he's not got anything to lose he's 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 on a cushy number he's got he gets his ambassadorial fee nobody's going to take his name down from the north stand they're not going to take his statue down they're not going to change the name of the road that leads up to to old trafford but you know it's a pretty seismic event when he still feels compelled to actually say something about it and the same with gary neville as well who's maintained a glazer omerta for the whole time they've been in been owners of united for him to break ranks was was something as well i i just i just hope that this backlash does have some kind of effect but unfortunately the way they've gone about it the you know that they're lawyering up as well as going off all, all sources it, it just feels rather ominous and as, as i said it's it, it is just depressing news it's very very demoralizing for for every football follower i cannot think of a single proper football fan that will be uh on side with this no exactly and the, the whole point of football is that you earn your success you've got to be one of the best teams to then get into the competitions to, to then win them to to get there just by some god-given right is just absolutely it goes against the whole spirit of the game and just yeah it's just so unjust and so unfair it's just absolutely crap and then i guess we'll get onto it later but the way that you know you're, you're calling tottenham and arsenal elite clubs but what about aston villa what about preston 
What about Nottingham Forest? These teams who have richer, longer histories than both of them. So where's their where's their slice of the cake? Where's their easy ride? They don't have one because they're not one of the big boys right now. But if you talk about big boys right now, Leicester are a billionaire owner. They should be there. But why aren't they? It's there's so much hypocrisy, so much injustice. And, and Ty won't maybe bring you into this. Uh, like like Samuel said, we've seen Ferguson speak out. We've seen Neville speak out on it. The fact that you know it's been one of those things sort of lurking in the background. We've all feared it, but we've maybe hoped and convinced ourselves that it won't actually happen or, or ever get this far. What do you actually think, Ty, could happen from a supporter's point of view to to make enough of an impression for, for these plans not to go through? Well, I, I don't think it's any incidence that the, the plans have accelerated and now been announced during a pandemic when games are behind closed doors. Uh, I mean, I think it would suit clubs like United down to the ground if they could play every game behind closed doors, to be quite honest. Um, and I'm sure, you know, they would deny it, but I'm sure they would be desperate that this... You know, talk of 10,000 fans for the end of the season doesn't go ahead because even 10,000 fans in, in Old Trafford would make their feelings perfectly clear because there is not a single match-going fan that wants this to happen. Um, unfortunately, what there's a lot of social media noise from supporters groups. I'm sure some will be trying to arrange things, but because of restrictions at the moment, it, it's very difficult. And that is, you know, that's why clubs have done it. It's coming out now that they can just get away with riding roughshod over fans. And it, it's, you know... There seems to be some confusion from the Glazers and, and from City's owners and every other club's owners. They're owners and custodians of, of these football clubs, but the club doesn't belong to them. The club belongs to the fans, and the fans want to see them playing in the Premier League and the Champions League, not in some closed shop European Super League. At the end of the day, if United, if the 75,000 that go to United every week don't want to be in this league, they shouldn't be in this league. It's not up to the owners, it's up to the fans who go and watch and, and pay their money to watch, to watch United play, and they don't want to be in this league. It was telling that Edward Wood spoke at a fans forum in November and talked about Project Big Picture and Champions League reforms and basically said, we will keep match going fans at the heart of our thoughts. It's been clear over the last eight months how much we miss you. And, you know, it was Woodward basically saying to, to match going fans, don't worry, I've got your back. And that pain they can feel now is being stabbed in the back from, from Woodward. And, you know, it, I mean, it'd be so funny if it wasn't so insulting to supporters, the, the way they've been treated and, and the way Woodward's just pulled the wool over their eyes again and, like I said, the, the Glazer statement, I mean, spent 16 years with one communication to fans and I think it's basically the second time he's, he's ever really spoken and he's only done that in, in a statement. So, you know, it, it, it is shocking and Samuel's right. It, it felt at the time when Ferguson's comments came out towards the end of the game yesterday that it, it was pretty seismic that he'd commented and obviously he'd been at the game when, when Woodward hadn't. And, you know, he is still a United official. He's in the director's box every week. He's wearing a club suit every week and... At the moment, apart from Toscar understandably saying, I don't know when asked about it, Ferguson, a 79-year-old man who recently suffered a brain hemorrhage, is still the only United official to actually make a public comment on the proposals, which just shows that the likes of Glazers and Edward Diddley gutless as they are greedy. Yeah, Ty, you've hit the nail on the head there. And particularly, you know, Samuel, you, you've mentioned that and we've all seen ourselves, you know, with our work with the club. The last year, the rhetoric has been how important fans are. The Stratford End has the banner with Sir Matt Busby's quote saying, football is nothing without fans. And now fans' opinions are just completely irrelevant and redundant. And Samuel, I mean, like Ty said, they're so fortunate that fans can't be in Old Trafford at this moment in time. Yeah, Uh I th as as Ty said, I, I still suspect some fans groups will mobilise and protest in as sensible and, and safe a way as possible. But it, it is difficult to do that when there's a pandemic and you've got to be socially distanced. I, I'd like to think something like that will happen. Um, pretty much everyone, apart from these clubs' owners, are, are, are on their side. <sighs> 
you, some of the players have got to, at some point or another, speak out against it. I mean, Marcus Rashford has made himself a man of the people over the past year with uh, the work he's done in, in her, you know, providing aid, uh, free school meals. Uh, you know, he's he got a, a an honour out of it. But he is he is that kind of figure that you'd look to now in this situation to say, right, you know, come and speak out against this as well. And Herrera has already done it, which is a very commendable thing to do. Um, you know, his, his statement was was very eloquent. I suppose a lot of people's gut reaction will be, it's easy to say that when you're playing for PSG um, and you're taking Qatari money. Um, unfortunately, though, that's that's just, that seems to be the state of playing football these days. It seems like everyone is tarred with the same brush. Everyone's a part of the a part of the same hypocrisy. I mean, the, the game yesterday, it was it was surreal in the first half because it was statement being released left, right and centre that we were barely watching the game. We were barely able to concentrate on the game. The game felt like a complete afterthought. And bearing in mind, United could still mathematically win the title and potentially, probably won't happen, but be two points behind City next weekend. To have that, you know, th- th- this run-in overshadowed by the greed of their owners is, again, it's just it's just deplorable. I mean, Solskjaer is striving to win the Europa League. That is their only realistic chance of silverware. I mean, how little must Joel Glazer think of the Europa League if he's actually prepared to ditch he the probably, Champions League? He probably doesn't know what it is, though, does he, Samuel? No, he probably doesn't. And and that's the thing with these people. They they what they know about football would not fill a postage stamp. And United are known around the world for being one of the trailblazers in European football. What you know, Samat Busby nearly died trying to win the European Cup. Eight of his players did die in in that attempt to win the European Cup. And then you've got these shysters from Tampa and Florida coming over, saddling the club with hundreds of millions of debt, hiking ticket prices, taking the piss out of supporters, really. And now they're effectively desecrating Busby's statue outside the ground with with what they're doing. The European Cup is the very essence of Manchester United as a football club. They've not won it very often. They've not won it as often as they should do. But their history in that competition is so, so rich. You could write tomes about it. Nobody is going to want to read a book about Manchester United being some closed shop crap competition called the European Super League that's the brainchild of some know-nothing from Tampa whose last game, who the last game he attended at Old Trafford, unsurprisingly, was United against Barcelona two years ago. And Ty, as Samuel said there as well, you, maybe to play devil's advocate from the financial point of view and only from the financial point of view, you can see why the Glazers might want to be involved in this. But it's such a shallow tournament. Why, from a footballing point of view, would you ever want to be involved in it? Yeah, I mean, there's just no there's no jeopardy in it, is there? There's no chance of relegation. And the beauty of the Champions League, we all watched, or a lot of us watched Bayern Munich PSG over two legs last week, and it was two of the best games you will see this season. City Dortmund, two fantastic games of football. But these games are great because they don't happen every season. That is the beauty of the Champions League. And for the last... I don't know, five, six, seven years. The Champions League knockout stages have consistently been brilliant. It is the best football in the world when the Champions League knockout stages arrive. Games are consistently high scoring, attacking, high quality. And the beauty of it is that, yes, it might be the same teams that are involved every year, pretty much, bar bar the odd story like Ajax and things like this. But 
the group stage and, and the seeding system and then the fact that it's a knockout draw from the last 16 means that ties generally don't happen every season. Obviously, you occasionally get a run where, you know, Bayern PSG was a repeat of the final and teams might face each other in successive seasons or something like that. But generally, these games don't happen every season and that is the beauty of them and that is why they are so exciting. People don't want United to play Real Madrid every season or twice a season. It would, you know, it gets boring. The beauty of European football is that it's one-off and there's no interest in an event like this yeah. and it, it's got no history. There's just no, you know, there's no jeopardy to it. Talk of 15 clubs being in there every season and then five invites to teams who do well. I mean, how do you even define that? It's just, you know, it, it's appalling and... It's just that, that, like you said, there is there is no interest in it. And I don't think if it started next week, I don't think anyone would really give a damn watching it. And you know, talking of the United and, and the Europa League and even City in the Champions League, but obviously we're talking about United here. The fact that you know, they've resigned from the European Club Association, Woodward stepped down from UEFA. What this will do in the Europa League, if, you, if you're stepping down from the ECA, if Woodward's resigning from his UEFA role and you're trying to basically kill off UEFA's club competitions, do the honourable thing and withdraw from the Europa League because you're trying to kill that competition. And you're basically saying it's an irrelevance. You know, you're basically saying now. we don't care about the Europa League. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah. it, is, it, is, it is some. It is someone who works at United. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, listening live. Yeah, like um, you said, though, yeah. Ty, it's like it's like when you're a kid and you just say, oh, "I'd love to have birthday cake every day. I wish it was Christmas every yeah. day." No, you don't. Yeah. It'd be crap. You don't want that every day. It just devalues it completely, and there's no speciality to it more. It doesn't become an occasion. It doesn't become one of those famous European nights anymore because they're happening every other week. And it's just hilarious, really, from my point of view, that United and so many other teams complain about the packed fixture schedule and they field weak teams in the League Cup and these competitions that they don't want. They want a tighter, they want a smaller schedule, but now they want a, an even more European calendar. They want to be playing more games. They want to be travelling more because it's all down to the financial greed of all and how much money they, they will make. But it's just a load of crap, isn't it? Uh, Samuel, Ty mentioned it there about Ed Woodward stepping down, and you reported as well um, earlier this morning. All our stories, of course, are on the MEN website. But there was the fans forum recently, and it's just been just going on behind everyone's back. Yeah, that was on Friday. I spoke to someone who was on the call, and they said that Woodward, unsurprisingly, wasn't on it. They said that Richard Arnold, who usually you'd struggle to shut up bragging about the app, bragging about team viewer or team vision, whatever the hell the new sponsors are called, and the the, the, the colour palette of what it could look like on the shirt. He was unusually quiet. Again, just it, it's just a it's a PR own goal that would make you know, Phil Jones blush. Really, uh, the the absolute gall of them to do that. And the nub of it is that Woodward promised in that fans forum back in November that they would make decisions based on European club competition formats with match goes in mind. They haven't. I've been told by somebody else who was on the forum that they've absolutely not been consulted on this whatsoever. Which does which. It's hardly earth shattering. It's barely worth a story. But again, that is that's the contempt they have for for supporters, for paying supporters. And I think just looking at this concept, it's almost as if they see. I mean, football has such a wide following uh, worldwide, and you can really gauge that online. As United have not tired of telling us about their a billion zillion fans or whatever it is, you know, these made up numbers. But the goalposts have changed in that there are a lot of fans online who 
obviously aren't paying fans because they they don't live in the country or they can't access the stadium and that's that's fine um but and there are other fans who actually support the players so you've got fans of Neymar you've got fans of Messi Ronaldo Pogba and these fans love computer games they'll play on FIFA and if they're playing on FIFA they're not going to be playing Rochdale Wrexham or Rochdale Shrewsbury they're going to be playing you know City PSG Bayern Munich PSG and it's almost as if these these hollow owners charlatans have tapped into that and thought well if we just give them that every week everyone's a winner but They've just completely, I don't think it's a case that they've misread the room. I just think they don't care because, mm. I mean, certainly with United fans, their best away days in recent years, in certainly last 10, 15 years, if you had to look at them, you're talking about Barnsley away, Derby away, um, Blackburn away. These clubs are all in the Championship or the Football League. They're not in the Premier League. They've And some of the brilliant Premier League away days they've had, uh, they come at teams who obviously are not among this um, big six cartel that want to break off from them, like Fulham away. The, the, the FA Cup semi-final in 2016, their first game at Wembley in nearly three years, that was against Everton. Everton are a famous club, uh, one of the most successful clubs in the 80s. They've been far more successful than Tottenham recently. Why should they be kicked out of this uh, big six league? I, th- I mean, I, d- I don't think they'll be looking to to enter it you know, at least they've got that they're not immoral in that sense. But just the more you think about it, the more you consider it all, the more brainless this this whole concept is. It's it's just so crass, it's so disrespectful. I mean, as I said again, like you know, Solskjaer has hasn't won a trophy yet for United. He could win the Europa League. Would they even put it in the club museum now if they did win it? Because they've you know the owners have just completely devalued it. They have no interest in it whatsoever because they have no interest in the Champions League, which is the absolute you know, zenith of, I, I'd say, not just club football, but football full stop. I think the quality in the Champions League does trump international tournaments. And yet they want this breakaway nonsense that has just outraged every right-minded fan you can think of. And you know, no, and another side point as well, but if you look at United's uh, record in Europe in the last few years as well, I mean, they've lost to Istanbul, Basaksa here, they've lost to Seville twice. What gives them the right to then say, well, we're one of the big boys, we deserve to be here all along? Well, well, you lot don't because they don't have that behind them anyway to back themselves up. And just the whole nature of being a closed competition is utterly disgusting because it just kills that dream. You have to have that dream of football. That's what people play because you could make it to the top. You could go on a ridiculous run. What if West Ham had an incredible end of the season now and they did manage to sneak into the top four? But I hope they do now. I kind of hope they do now, really. It'd be a big, big middle finger to to this ESL or whatever it is. And yeah, I, every time I, want, I have to use the word Super League, you want to put it in inverted commas, don't you? Because yes. like, like we saw, there's a good tweet, isn't there? That it's like, we'll decide if it's a Super League or not. You, you you can't tell us that even if it is your marketing. <laughs> but Ty, in terms of going forward as well, say this was to happen, what would that do for the, for the Premier League? Because the, 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 top, the top four race is non-existent then because well, there's nothing you're playing for other than the title itself. No, um, I mean, it's, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Obviously, these teams, there's no way these teams can play in the Champions League, given the fix, the format of the competitions. UEFA will presumably go ahead with their Champions League proposals, but you're faced with the possibility of, of what would it be this season? Leicester, West Ham, Everton and Villa, maybe, being your top four non-Big Six teams. So there'd be teams going into the Champions League. I mean, there'd be a Bayern PSG final every season, which, considering the quality of the two-legged tie over the last couple of weeks, maybe no bad thing, but... 
and then in terms of the Premier League, it, it would be all about the title. I mean, it it would be nice if the Premier League just you know made a strong statement here and just told these clubs, you're out. If you're going ahead with it, you're out. We don't want you. Go and play in the Football League. Go and play in the Championship. Go and play in League Two. You know, you're not wanted here. Obviously, we know they won't because at the end of the day, although the Premier League are taking them all high ground at the moment, it is about money for them as well at the moment. And their TV deal without the big six is basically worthless. So... They know they need to keep the big six on side and, and talk of them being kicked out of domestic competitions. I just don't see it happening. But I, I guess in, in Premier League terms, in terms of chasing a title race, and let's be honest, the top four is is an afterthought towards the end of the season for these clubs, isn't it? These six clubs really set out at the start of the season wanting to win the title. And if you're ending up in a top four race, it's you know it's a sign that the season's probably not gone as well as you liked. It is all about uh, winning the title. And theoretically, that wouldn't change. But they would be absolute pariahs in their own league. I don't think anyone would want anything to do with them. And then, the, 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 I mean, there'd be so many midweek games, as we know already, it raises questions about the, the Carabao carpets. I think it's home and away fixtures in a 10-group league. I mean, that's 18 midweek games. It's impossible to enter the Carabao Cup on that, FA Cup replays and things like that, and midweek Premier League rounds. There's, there's an awful lot to, to factor in. I mean, obviously, it's, it's still a couple of years away from happening, if it even happens at the moment. But if... You know, even if it doesn't, even if this is just posturing and pushing it to the very edge of the limit to get what you want from UEFA and they do back down and we end up with this reformed Champions League and, and these clubs staying in the Premier League, you know, what these clubs have done should should never be forgotten and, and never be forgiven by the fans, even if they do end up backing down. Yeah, exactly. That's a powerful thing. And you've wrote a piece as well, me, I mean, today, which I urge people to read, you know, it is unforgivable already what's happened. If it goes to a, another step forward, then it really does beg the question of what the future of English football is like. But Samuel, I guess, again, to play devil's advocate, the European Super League aren't the only ones at fault here. I mean, you've got a World Cup in Qatar next summer. You've got the Premier League. You tried to charge us £15 per match last winter to watch West Brom versus Sheffield United. Yeah. It's just the yeah. state of modern football at the moment. And do you think it's getting close maybe to a breaking point in modern football? Because everyone's always spoken about the finances and the wages and the money involved, that one day there has to be a limit where it will plateau or maybe where it will fall off a cliff and go down the other end. Do you think we are getting nearer to that or do you think this is just maybe like you said what modern football fans do actually want oh um i don't think it's what modern football fans want uh, it's it's difficult to differentiate it sometimes because there's a difference between being a, a casual fan who just likes to watch football and someone who will will follow their club to all corners of the earth and you, you come across these supporters um you know, covering United. I mean, there's there's one fan who decided to fly all the way to Shanghai to watch a friendly against uh, against Tottenham. I mean, that's I wouldn't do that. There aren't many people that would do that, but he he loves United that much that he he, he did do that. And then you've got casual fans who, as I said, will um, around the world who, who obviously they they don't live nearby to go to the games and they support the clubs in their own ways. And there'll be a lot of I'd like to think the majority of United's worldwide following and, you know, they're, they're a fervent bunch and you, you see them at the stadiums when you go on pre-season tours will will be appalled by um, by this, you know, pretty crass concept that United are, are instigating. But in terms of a breaking point, I just think that because, I mean, JP Morgan are financing it. I mean, it, you know, how, how, do you, how do you battle it, really? These, these clubs lawyering up, they will have probably prepared for every possible outcome apart from maybe just how outraged people are at 
at the Super League. I, I think they have probably even been taken aback by that. I mean, United had radio silence on Sunday, which was probably planned anyway. The fact that Woodward wasn't at the game was telling, even though he's he's missed quite a lot of games this season. But the fact that the director of communications wasn't in attendance, you know, that tells you that it's almost like, you know, pull over the covers and let's just wake up and hopefully everyone's calmed down. But it's, it's not been the case whatsoever. But... Then it needs to be a standout dissenting voice here. And as, you know, as legendary a figure as Ferguson is, he's he's not powerful. He's not been powerful since he anointed David Moyes nearly eight years ago. He's had no input in the decision-making at United ever since then. Woodward's been the kingmaker. Woodward chose Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as the last three managers. So his role is really ambassadorial. You need someone who is attached to one of these clubs. Someone like, I mean, just, just going off United, as I said earlier, Marcus Rashford, but probably more than that, someone like Paul Pogba, someone who is like universally popular. Marcus Rashford, I think, because of his nationality, his popularity is is not on the scale of of Pogba's. Pogba is is a global superstar. I don't think Rashford can really compete with him in that sense. And it's whether either of these figures, any of these figures, actually are prepared to stick their head above the parapet. For for someone like Paul Pogba, for instance, okay, he's you know his agent banked a hell of a commission on the the transfer in 2016, and Pogba earns very well, earns like what is it a quarter of a million a week or whatever it is. But deep down, there's there's the footballer, there's the the kid who you know idolised Zinedine Zidane, uh, grew up, became one of the best midfielders in the world, and won the World Cup with his country. And I think. Come you know, come his retirement, he won't be he won't be sat there admiring his Scrooge McDuck fault or anything like that. He'll be sat there showing his kids his World Cup medal and his winners' medals from Juventus uh, and whatever else he wins in his career. And you just hope that the crassness of this concept actually does awaken that that kid inside some of these big big name players and that they they take a stand against it. As I said, what what Ander Herrera's has done is is very very commendable and i think that's in keeping with his character even though you know the asterisk is that he plays for qatari owned paris saint germain but it does need to be a much more uh, a higher profile <clears throat> player to do it as i said someone like pogba or messi or ronaldo but i'm not exactly waiting with bated breath <laughs> no exactly it's gonna be interesting to see how how that all develops and Ty, you know, talk about maybe what we can do, what fans can do. You do worry that you know if fans may protested and didn't go to games. There'd be more fans who would take those tickets if fans stopped paying their subscriptions. There'd be others across the globe who are happy to pay those subscription Ooh. fees. So, what do you think can actually be done? Do you think there is anything, or do you think it is just a case, as Samuel said, of these important figures within the game, not just former figures but current figures, ones who are going to be affected by these plans to actually speak out and to lead that rebellion against it? No, I think fans can can play a part. Um, I don't think boycotts work because, as you say, people who boycott will only be replaced by people who've got no desire to boycott, and that's, that's an even worse situation. So I don't think boycotts work, but we've seen fan action can work. I mean, United fans had the Glazers under relative pressure with the, the green and gold protests, but it, 
you know, it, it died a death. And, and that was the time to keep the pressure up and keep protesting. Once that, you know, once that subsided, the Glazer had won, basically. And that's why we're in this situation now. Um, me and Sammy were talking on the way out yesterday about the Liverpool fans walking out over the ticket prices on 77 minutes a couple of years ago. And yeah. it, 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 it's those kind of protests that, that have an impact. And it's a different scenario because obviously I think by all accounts, Liverpool were pretty close to the brink. But, you know, what they did with their American owners and didn't let up in, in protests and made life uncomfortable for them and took all sorts of different action. And it, it's things like that. It, it's hard to do when there's not people in grounds. If there was a full house at Old Trafford next week or a full house at Anfield next week, we, we know what the reaction would be, what the banners would be. That's not the case at the moment. But fans definitely need to mobilise and, and do what they can. But they will be helped by dissenting voices like Herrera's and... I imagine every player at one of these clubs feels the same as Herrera does. The the players and managers think the champion think the Champions League is the bee's knees, but because it is, you look at you know Ferguson said that the four finals are the best nights of his career. Look how much Guardiola wants to win it for City. He thinks the Champions League is is the be all and end all for Manchester City. So, and we've seen what it means to players to win it for for United for you know for every big club that's won it. You see the reaction and and what it means to win it. The, the European Super League won't be the same as that. It's the Champions League and, and the European Cup still to follow us, which is has got the history and that's what it, it means for players to win it. And that's what they, they want to win. So you do just hope that they do take a risk in, and, and speak out. And, you know, it's like Samuel said, Solskjaer was thrown under a bus yesterday. It, it's been silence again from clubs today, but there are going to be press conferences. Guardiola will be at a press conference tomorrow. Will, will he speak out about it? Obviously, Solskjaer will be later in the week. Liverpool are on telly tonight. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people tuning into Klopp's pre-match and post-match interviews just to see what what he said because I think he's been pretty vocal in the past against the, the Super League. So, you know, it, it does need a big name just to speak out and say no, they, you know, this is not happening on my watch. And if it does, I'm off. And and you just hope someone someone does it. And you know, Guardiola at City would be ideal because, like we said, he he loves the Champions League. He's desperate to win the Champions League. And it just needs it needs club employees and players and managers to to stand up and just say no, enough is enough. Yeah, uh, Samuel. I guess one of the final questions for you is: What do you think it would hold for the future of Manchester United if they were into, entered into the ESL? Fans, you know, we've seen lots of vocal and often quite they've gone maybe too far with their protests and the chants they've sung against the the management and the ownership of the club and the direction that we saw at the start of of last year but this isn't going to help the Glazers case it's not going to help Ed Woodward's case what do you think would happen in the future of Manchester United if they were to to enter the ESL? I think FC United might have to start expanding their stadium uh, because I think this would be the straw that breaks the camel's back for those fans that you know didn't didn't go off and support FC United in 2005 and okay that the fans that did that were effectively in a minority you've you've seen Old Trafford regularly gets over 70,000 people in um when when obviously you know, crowds crowds are allowed into inside to uh, to watch games but I do think that because it's such a hollow concept and just such a I think the thing about it as well is that it's not exciting it's not even remotely exciting. These owners and presidents who think that it's such a glamorous, glitzy idea that really does is is going to get you know light people's eyes up. It, it doesn't. Yeah, what, I think one of the great program notes that Ferguson filed was for the the Real Madrid game in 2013, which was obviously his last in European competition. And I can't remember the exact phrase, but he said, um, you know, 
it was something like Make Enough Noise so Santiago Bernabeu and Matt Busby can hear it up there. And it's like it's goosebump stuff, that, because that's tapping into the history and the heritage of two of the greatest sporting institutions on the planet. And the reason why he said it was because it was an occasion. And the reason why it was an occasion is because Manchester United and Real Madrid do not meet every year. They do not meet every decade. It's it's a really, really special moment when those two clubs drawn together in the Champions League or the European Cup and you only have to look at the, their history um, and the games between them to to accept that. So I, I actually think that, you know, if if there's a if there's a positive that comes out of it, it might be that fans just say, you know what, I'm jacking this in, I'm going to I'm going to go to the local football league team. Uh, we'll see what the the Barry Phoenix team are, are up to, or what what's going on there. Go to Rochdale, go to Oldham, Salford City. Um, I know Salford City's. You know, there's a bit of hollowness about them because of the way they've got into the football league. But compared to compared to the uh, the big six, uh, the greedy six in the Premier League, it's they've, they've got nothing on them. So I, I can see that happening. Sadly, there, there's always probably going to be a demand to watch Manchester United play at Old Trafford. And it's, it's pretty fascinating reading Ferguson's diary in the 94-95 season where he, he laments the atmospheres at weekends because it's the ground's full of tourists and it's our hardcore fans that are back in for the midweek European night games. Like If he said that 10 years ago, he'd have been vilified even longer ago than that. That's just how much football has changed and half and half scarves are the norm. But that's what Joel Glazer wants. He he doesn't mind if the stadium is full of people with selfie sticks, half and half scarves who haven't got a clue what the lyrics to a chant are, don't know how to behave you know, reasonably at a football match, uh, as long as somebody actually takes a ticket and, you know, is, is lining his pocket, he's going to be happy about that. And sadly, I suspect there will be some people out there um, who are prepared to do that. I think the International Champions Cup, which has obviously been the pre-season tournament, that's almost felt like a bit of a warm-up act for this. And the fact that it is essentially an American competition with... JP Morgan financing it, the American owners of United, Liverpool and Arsenal driving it. It's, you know, people have already noticed there are parallels with the NFL and the way that that works and that there are no no relegations at all. But the reason why the NFL works is because it's unique to an American audience. The reason why the Champions League works is because it's unique to a European audience and to a worldwide audience because it's a different sport. And these these guys are just completely tone deaf to it. They want to make as much money as possible. They don't care how they make that money. And sadly, it looks like they're, you know, they're they're going to get all their money as well. Yeah, Ty, it's more changes that we've not asked for that are, are being implemented on those. And at the end of the day, as, as you know, and you've done a lot of work with uh, lots of clubs around the Great Manchester area as well. And fans, that is what makes football. You know, that is what the banner in the Stratford End says. And mm. there needs to be a realisation sooner or later that, that they are the be all and end all on that one. Uh, have you have anything else you want to get off your chest? Anything else you want to add on, on the European Super League? Plenty, but we'd probably be here all day. So that's probably a, a, a good not, point. To... I don't think we've flicked the explicit warning onto the pod yet, have we? So it's probably better to uh, <laughs> to try and keep it clean if we can for a bit. Uh, talk about football heritage. I guess we can tag this one at the end. Uh, Samuel Tottenham, Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho go. Yeah. Head of the Carabao yeah. Cup final. 
Is that a surprise to you, or do you think it was always got to be a bit of a mismatch? I, I certainly didn't see him being there at the start of next season. The, the timing is surprising because they've got the final on on Sunday, and okay, I mean, in, in the league, I think it's pretty clear they they weren't going to get into top four. And th- in in the end, it was just a mismatch, really. I think you've got Mourinho, who okay, he didn't win the league at United, but he did win trophies there, and. You just look at his body of work. He he is a he is a winner. He's got a winning mentality. You look at what Tottenham have done in the last three decades, and it's what two league cups. Um, it, it just jars. You've got a winner, and you've got a bunch of losers, and th- they've just rubbed up against each other. And I think Mourinho quite quickly cottoned on that maybe he wasn't the right fit at the club. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I suppose the innovative way of looking at it from Mourinho's perspective is that he he might be the man to be to have. It created self-constructive dismissal in that he just kind of like, he, he does, I think there's certainly an element of being deliberate about it in that he just alienates people. He he he's identifies who he's going to get on side. But when he realises that it's a lost cause, he will do things in quite a subtle way um, to, to essentially get his way. And I think that, you know, it, it has been a failure. Uh, I think that, He's he's not he's not felt like the same manager since he left Real Madrid. I think the Real Madrid time was so fraught, and he wasn't quite the same Mourinho when he came back to England. Even though he did win the title at Chelsea, um, and I still maintain that maybe that 2013 summer was a real sliding doors moment for him because he really should have been made the United manager then. Okay, he wouldn't have been long term, but if they'd got him in, I could easily have seen United win the league straight away because he'd immediately commanded respect. They'd have got some big signings in because he'd have absolutely demanded it. You had Rodgers at Liverpool, who wasn't really seen as a threat, even though Liverpool should have won the league that season. Chelsea wouldn't have got Mourinho. Arsenal were in irrelevance. Tottenham weren't that competitive under Andre Villas-Boas. Okay, Manchester City came in with Pellegrini came in and they bought sensibly. They'd have probably been the biggest threat. But I just think that would have been the sensible move for United at the time, just get some short-term gain in uh, with with Mourinho, keep keep the continuity of winning going, and then identify a longer-term option after he went. The fact that he was available, it just made infinite sense. But Ferguson made the wrong choice there, which was a shame for United and also a shame for Mourinho because I don't really see him getting another genuinely top job in English football. There's there's a bit of romance attached to the possibility of going to Newcastle because of just how reverential he was towards Sir Bobby Robson when they worked together at Barcelona and, and Porto. But obviously Newcastle have to be um have to be taken over for that to happen. And I certainly don't want any Saudi Arabian overlords coming into the Premier League. I think we've got enough enough um, deplorables here as it is already. Yeah, they'd fit in well in the Premier League then, wouldn't they? And they'd probably be they would, expanded yeah. to the, the big seven or something. As you said there as well, Samuel, Arsenal are relevant, Tottenham not very competitive, not much has changed, has it? Uh, Ty, <laughs> final question for you. Do you think these ESL talks will affect the whatever happens now for United in the end of the season. If you, imagine if United went on and pipped Man City to the Premier League title, do you think it would be tainted? What about the Europa League win? That would be tainted anyway. Yeah, I think the Europa League win would be tainted. And as I said, I, I mean, it'd be a shame for Solskjaer and the players, but I think, you know, I mean, it doesn't seem UEFA are going to take action, but I think it's pretty galling for UEFA that clubs who have basically 
destroyed their own competitions, are still in their competitions this year, trying to win them. You know, I, I think UEFA could have taken a stronger stance and, and booted them out, frankly, and said, if you don't want to be part of it, then it's your semi-final, it's gone for you. So, yeah, I think the Europa League is an irrelevance for United now, and I think that's their, their own decision. In terms of the Premier League, you know, I, I don't think it would be... Um, you know, I, I don't think... If they won it, I don't think it would be tainted. I still can't see them winning it. They've at least... You know, they, they've at least tried to put a bit of pressure on, on City and, and make it close, but... It did feel yesterday like that game was was a complete irrelevance. And, and like Samuel said, it, it was a big game in the title race. It made the gap eight points with six games to go. We've seen teams collapse from there before, but it very much felt like an afterthought yesterday, which I think says an awful lot. Yeah, I guess the one final irony as well is that we could have a UEFA Super Cup next summer. Oh, this summer, isn't it? And yeah. Two teams in it could not be uh, having a future UEFA anyway, so that'll be an interesting one to see how it all unfolds. But Samuel Ty, thank you very much for joining us on this Manchester is Red podcast. No thank you, Rich. And thank you very much for listening once again. We will be back later in the week to talk about football maybe this time. We'll look at how tonight's trip to face Leeds in the Premier League and who knows what will have happened by then. It's been a very busy Monday, so thank you very much for staying with <laughs> this time. And again, thank you, Ty and Samuel. It's been a very busy weekend for you two as well. But that's all for today. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will be back with you next time.